What a blessing uh, to have our, our young people. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That's where we're uh, working in this morning. Uh, I realized that we have um, made a little bit of progress. If you are here last week, uh, we looked at the seasons of life. And this whole uh, first couple of chapters has talked about uh, is it worth it? Or what is the profit? What is the profit? And uh, as we look at this idea that is life worth it? Is there meaning found in this life? It's a struggle for us. I, I want to tell you, even as I have studied the scriptures uh, these last couple of months, it's been a roller coaster in my own heart uh, as I think about uh, what we... Um, what we think about this life and the life that each one of us has uh, been granted down here. And I want to tell you that uh, um, uh, the word irrefutable, um, I, I remember a couple of books and a, a few things, and uh, people have books that are called the 10 Irrefutable Laws of the Learner or something like that. And I go, what an arrogant thing to say, you know, like you figured out things that nobody can argue with. I want to tell you that as we look at God's Word this morning, this cannot be argued with. Uh, as we hear about the meaning of life, that we hear about, uh, and really not just the meaning of life, but that this is universal. This is, you know, as I, as I preach, uh, sometimes um, it's a... It's a there's a lot of weird things that go on in a pastor's mind as he's preparing. I don't want to let you know too much that's going on because it's a weird world. Uh, anyways, but uh, you wonder, is it a message for the people that you're sharing? And as I look at this, I go, this is a message for all of us here, but it's for all of us out there too. Anybody. This is a message. And these things are true, whether we want to believe it or not. Um, it's interesting, this question of, is life worth it? Uh, is it? Is there a profit in the end? Is it worth getting up in the morning? Um, we, uh, sometimes we feel it, and sometimes we don't feel it, right? Uh, there's days where we're, uh, we see the, the vanity that is spoken of in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, in our quiet moments. Um, and maybe we just see the meaning of life and our work and, and our pleasure, the seasons. Um, and, and we feel an emptiness sometimes to life. Uh, but then, but then our favorite sports team wins. And we go, life is worth living again. Right? Or we get a new car. Or we get to retire. Or we... Uh, play a, a round of golf that uh, was just not us, you know, we did well. Um, we, lo we look at this, or for, for those who are young, uh, they, uh, they, they get a new phone and they're thinking, man, my life is complete now. Uh, for those of you who are old, it brings about the complete opposite response. Like, I heard one lady this last week who will remain nameless uh, say she wanted to throw her phone into the lake. Uh, but uh, th this idea that where is meaning in life, and uh, sometimes we see the emptiness that comes in this life, and other times we try to fill it 
with things that are just temporary and fleeting and think that that's life. And I want to tell you that those only last for a moment, if that. Um, The anticipation is almost greater than the attaining uh, of those things. We come in our study uh, this morning to verse 16. And uh, he wants to give us two more examples of this meaningless life. Two more examples, or to reiterate two more things. He's talked about these briefly, but now he uh, brings them up again. Um, If you stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to uh, read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It's great to have all of you here today. It's good to see you. Uh, God's word says this, Moreover, I saw under the sun that uh, in the place of justice, even there uh, was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge and the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter uh, and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Uh, They have the same breath, and the man has no advantage over beasts, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and the dust I'll return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beasts go down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better than a man should rejoice in his work, and that is his lot. Uh, For who can bring him to see what will be after him? God, I ask your uh, wisdom as we look to your word, your teaching in us, your spirit to work in us that we might learn. I pray that you would encourage our hearts through your word, that you would right our wrong thinking uh, and uh, cause us to be motivated to think properly and to live for you uh, here in this day. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look to God's Word today, I want to remind you that uh, that last message about the seasons of life is just critical. It's critical for us to embrace what God is doing today, the phase of life He has us in, uh, the situation He has us in. We're going to come back to that in our message today, but as we look uh, by way of intro, I want to tell you that uh, seasons matter. Seasons matter. it matters what's going on uh, according to God, uh, God's watch, if you will. Uh, it, it's important that what you're doing fits into what He's doing. And so we come to two more examples of the meaningless life. In verse 16, He says, and He commonly has said this, He keeps saying this over and over, Moreover, I saw under the sun. Uh, when you hear under the sun you realize that's just life down here. It's life in creation. It's life apart from the Creator in His creation. It's the best we can do. It's not life with God. 
It's life without God. Anybody can have this. And he is looking, the writer, most likely Solomon, uh, he is looking at life and he is making observations, divine observations, uh, observations that God has given him the power to see. And we look at this, and as he writes, he says, Moreover, I saw, I saw. If he'd say it this way, he's telling a story, and he says, I saw it with my own eyes. I was a witness of this. I'm willing to go in a court of law and testify to this because I saw it. It wasn't something that I read in a book somewhere, even as we read in his inspired word today. Uh, he was saying that he experienced uh, what was going on. He saw this, and he saw with his own eyes two more examples of a meaningless life. The first was the present, the present. Um, and it brings about uh, the age-old problem. You know, Moses and his siblings, they struggled with this. That, you know, they complained, life is not fair. Life is not fair. I think that um, I haven't uh, traveled much, like I, I haven't lived in other cultures, but my assumption would be that all cultures, they struggle with this question of whether life is fair or not. I think we struggle with it more. I think uh, we are naive and spoiled in the United States thinking that everything's going to be fair. Everything's going to be fair. We think everything's going to be fair in our homes. We think everything's going to be fair in the school system. We think everything's going to be fair in politics and in the judicial system. We think everything is going to be fair. And if it's not, I will fight for my rights. I have the right for it to be fair. It's interesting that most likely Solomon wrote this and he brings about the place of justice, the courtroom. He brings to the courtroom because the king is in charge of the justice, right? He's in charge of whether things are fair or not. And yet as he looked, it said this, the place of justice or the place of righteousness, uh, that in the place of justice, even there, there was wickedness, okay? Uh, picture, if you will, out on the streets, uh, there's a... Uh, uh, a place or an alley, a dark place where there are bad people. A drug deal is going down and uh, there's a price and uh, there's guns and there, there's all these things going down. And in the end, one person is left ripped off and treated poorly. You say, well, of course, there's a drug deal. Like uh, there are good drug dealers. They're moral, standing, upright drug dealers. Uh, that are breaking the law, and they work with people, they do transactions with good people, good people that are also breaking the law. Uh, we think that in our, we would never think that. We would say, it follows that wickedness follows wickedness. But in the courts, in the courtroom, uh, we have some uh, people who work in various uh, facets of it here this morning. You know, it's kind of a food chain of sorts that some of you see people at different times, right? Uh, before, after, during, you know, and uh, justice is important and, and we cherish it. We need it. 
And Solomon says, even in justice, even in the place of justice, there is wickedness. Now, how can that be? Uh, we, we like to think of the goodness of man. Has there ever been a corrupt judge? Has there ever been a, a wicked cop? Has there ever been a lying lawyer? In the sorry, sorry, I forgot you were sitting right here, Caleb. I, I was just throw me off my game, you know. You got the court reporter sitting next to you, and uh, man, it's tough. Um, we look at this and we say, no, they've gone to school. They've been warned. They've uh, raised their hand and said, I will do what's right. I, will. I take an oath. Is there wickedness? And Solomon says, even there, even there. And how does that wickedness play out, right? When uh, you, you hear uh, all the time, you hear all the time because they, obviously they accentuate it too, right? They put it in the news and they say, man, you know, was in, in prison for 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. No justice. I want to tell you that the other is even worse. There are people walking around free who committed crimes that they did, and yet they were found not guilty. You say, where's the justice? Well, uh, he got off because of this, or he, there was something wrong with this, but, and justice did not prevail. And as Solomon looks at the present situation, he looks around and he says, in the place of justice, or the place of righteousness as well, he says, there was wickedness. And I would even say it this way. The place we try to do our very best, it's not that good. Even there, there's a spot of wickedness. And so what, what does that lead you to believe? What, what is it? You, you know, uh, kids get it. You know, it's pretty easy for them to see, right? But teachers unfair, what do they think? Well, who cares? Who cares? You know, I, I did my work and I did this and the, treater, the teacher treated me unfairly. So what does it matter? What does it matter? Who cares? If they're honest and they go around and they see someone get away with something, they say, it's not worth it. If in the place where things are supposed to be right, there's wickedness, uh, there seems like, once again, meaningless, right? It seems meaningless to do that which is right. And Solomon saw this. Verse 17, uh, as he reflects on the present, which is life is not fair, there's injustice. He, he says this, and this is some consolation, but maybe it's not consolation. Maybe it's just... Well, it's going to come in the future, but it's not the present. He says, I said in my heart, um, he does a lot of talking to himself, right? Uh, some of us can relate. We have these conversations, these deep conversations, sometimes even impassioned conversations. I said to myself, or I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. Uh, and then for there is a time for every matter and for every work. And I believe that's pointing back to what he's just said, the seasons thing. And the problem with seasons is what? Uh, we don't determine them. 
And as he looks at the present injustice, uh, he hopes in future that God will be the judge, that God will sort all this out in the end. But even then, he doesn't uh, like know what that will be. He'll get into that as well. It's that, uh, I, I guess I have to trust God on this. Sometimes we say that that way, right? Uh, we look at uh, what's going on in life and we go, well, I guess I have to trust God. No, it's best to trust God. But what's hard about that is sometimes God and you aren't thinking the same thing, right? Has that ever happened to you? Uh, you had a great idea. You even maybe have shared it with God. And uh, he, for whatever reason, he didn't agree. And he didn't even like respond to you in the way that he said, well, let me explain a better way. He just did it. No explanation other than trust me. And so the struggle, the struggle in the present time for Solomon, which caused his heart to once again reflect on the the way that life is meaningless, is that I look at justice now, and in the midst of justice, there's wickedness. How can this be? Life is not fair. And this would be an easy place to interject like a, child crying out it's not fair it's not fair the conclusion he comes to is it's not fair which brings us to verse 18 the future yeah the present now the future and as we look at this we'll see that death will reduce us to insignificance verse 18 he says this i said in my heart Uh, Once again, he's speaking with himself. He's musing over uh, the things that he has seen with regard to the children of man, that God is testing them uh, that they may see uh, that they themselves are but beasts. When you see the word testing, both in the old and new, uh, it's important that we remember this, uh, that as God tests Uh, This idea of testing is that he is showing man uh, what's true of himself, uh, of of man, right? Uh, When we go through trials, James tells us about the testings. And it's not testing of our faith so that God can see. God already knows. God knows where we sit in relationship to the beast. He created us. But as he tests us, it's for us that that he might show us where we stand, uh, the reality, uh, the truth of who we are. And this particular test connects us uh, with the beasts. Um, In some translations, some people take this word beast, and it may or may not be true, as like cattle or cows. Um, as you think about that, uh, you know, what a, what a connection. At least it wasn't ants or something like that, right? A majestic animal, powerful animal. Uh, animal. Uh, as you look at that, you realize, you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you say the worth of a man or the worth of steer, a cow, you know, we look at this, we say, well, one is for food and the other is the ruler, you know. 
uh, it matters. They're, they both participate in the barbecue. They just have different roles, right? Uh, one is at the barbecue and the other is on the barbecue, okay? Uh, we realize that uh, there's a separation. And even those who are true animal lovers, um, though they say things that maybe don't connect with reality, they see a difference as well of intellect and design uh, between humans and beasts. Yet know this, that as Solomon was connecting uh, the future, uh, he, looks at, he, he looks at the beasts and uh, at humans, and he says this, verse 19, for what happens to the children of men and, and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. In fact, uh, most of us, the first connection to death was that of a pet or an animal, right? And that was the great explanation that our parents gave us. And, um, and they walked us through death when they saw the death of an animal. And, and what is left over in death is just left over, right? It's empty. It's over, it's put in the ground, and it can be put in the ground side by side, an animal uh, with a human. It, there's nothing different, and, and what happens to that body is the same for each one. It decays over time. There's no life left in it. And these tests uh, leave you with the results and conclusions that we are just like the beasts. You could say it this way, in death and breath, we are just like the animals. And especially as uh, we look at life and we realize there is life in an animal, there is life in a person. And as he reflected on what will happen in the future, he says, uh, one dies and so dies the other. And then he says, they all have the same breath and man has no advantage over the beasts for all is vanity. The idea of no advantage is that uh, in the end, they, they seem superior, but in the end, uh, they all lose in the end. And so it brings him to the place to say again, for all is vanity, meaningless. Um, I know I shared this with you last week, but it'd be good for you to listen to the book of Ecclesiastes being read and just let that go over and to, to see those themes come out over and over again. And the vanity, the idea of fleeting or, or meaningless or the idea uh, it's not worth it, it won't last. Uh, we see that. And he interjects it here in the midst of considering the future, uh, the end for all of us, that which is death. His struggle was that, uh, just a, he'll talk about it a little, a couple verses, but this idea of all come to the edge of the end of their life and no one knows what's on the other side. If we're just stuck here under the sun, if we have no relationship with God, we have no picture of what is to come. And we are at the end just like the beasts. And it brings him to say uh, meaningless or vanity. Verse 20 says this, I'll go to one place. He's speaking of uh, really the ground. And he says this, 
All are from the dust, and to dust all return. That's not just people, but that is everything. And then he asks this question, and this is the question apart from God. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beasts go down into the earth? He, he's stating uh, what uh, is obvious thoughts uh, of superior. We go up, they go down. That, that's just the picture that we would like to, to do. In fact, um, you, you hear this all the time. Uh, believer or unbeliever, this idea that oh we're in a better place we're we're fine you know everything's fine apart from believing and trusting in Jesus Christ everything's fine everything's fine their their life is over some would even say who don't believe this at all uh, they fought the good fight their their fight is over and yet apart from God under the sun. We look, uh, come to the end of our life in that second before what happens after. We have nothing. We have nothing. Under the sun. Which brings him to his conclusion that these two new, um, uh, not new, but uh, these two other examples of the meaninglessness of life, these two conclusions, uh, or these two points bring into conclusion Verse 22, uh, so I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. But then he adds a question where other places he is not. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? Uh, we've heard this over and over again in our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, and we'll see it again, that the best we can do in this life is to enjoy the work of the day. Enjoy the meal of the day. That's the best we can do down here. And I want to encourage you to do so. I want to encourage you to enjoy the day. Um, most of us have plans and agendas, don't we? Some of you are, How many of you have a good list going right now? Like you have a good list. Some of you, uh, you, you know, if you're if you're like me, I don't like to write it down. I just like to have a mental list. I don't want people to find my list. You know, it's none of their business what I want to do today. Okay. Uh, others of you write it down, and some of you, I really appreciate the people who write it down and then they draw a little box in the on the side so they can check it off. You know, or some of you are a little bit more violent, you like to go, you know, cross it off the list. This is the problem, and I think everyone should have a list. I think everyone should have a plan for the day. The problem is, you know what the problem is, right? When the season or the day or the agenda of God is different than your list. And the secret, I, I say secret, he's said it four or five times already. It's not a very good secret. It's a well-known secret that the secret to life is enjoying the day, whatever the day has, whatever the day has. And the ones who uh, successfully enjoy the day are better off. It's the best they can do. It's the best they can do. And, and so I'd encourage you. 
um, apart from even talking about relationship with God, your job today is to enjoy this day. Whether it's everything you've wanted and it fits into your agenda or it doesn't. It's interesting, uh, as I said, he's mentioned this idea of enjoying the day, enjoying a meal, enjoying the simple things of life. He spoke of this over and over again already. We're just in chapter 3. But to this one, he adds something uh, a little bit different than other places he's mentioned. He says, for that is his lot. That is his lot. It's the idea that is his charge. It's that, that thing for him to do or for us to do. And super important to remember this, that this day has some responsibility to it. And our joy will be connected with somehow doing what we are, where we are in the season we are. I think where we get hung up is when we're young and we say we want to be old. When we're in school and we say we want to be out of school. When we're out of school and we wish we were back in school. Uh, When we are at the end of life and we wish we were at the beginning of life. If we uh, were at this day and we wish there were another day. If we have kids and we wish we didn't have kids or we want kids and we didn't. like It's this, this idea of embracing the season or lot, if you will. And in that role, in that place where God has you to enjoy, to enjoy the day. I know this is tough stuff. I know this is, you know, uh, some of you are arguing with me right now. Uh, you're saying, but, but, Pastor, you don't know. You don't know how hard my life is. You don't know how difficult my husband is. You don't know, you know, you, you don't know about my kids. You, you see them here at the surprise box and everything seems great and everything. I'll tell you, everything doesn't seem great. Okay, I, I want to be honest with you. Um, it seems like it has great potential, great potential. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I realize this is difficult, but I want to tell you that God uh, left this for us, this book for us. And I, I want to tell you this, that this is true for those who don't walk with God, too. If someone would come up to me and say this, he would say, uh, I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about Jesus. Uh, we, we could have a quick conversation. They could say, I don't care about Jesus. And I'd say, that's fine. Well, aren't you going to argue with me? No, just don't die. Just don't die. <laughs> because apart, like you need him. You need him. But if you don't want him, that's fine. But if they said, uh, apart from Jesus, what should I be doing? I said, enjoy the life that you have. Whatever's going on today. It's the best you can do under the sun. And it's good for everybody. And people's uh, finding a little bit of meaning in this life is connected to them enjoying the day and the season and this time. I want to tell you it's super important. Um, and, and I know right now, if I asked you, some of you are saying, you're thinking right now, I, I know of good examples of people who enjoy their day and people who 
Man, they can't enjoy the best days. Like they, they somehow are fighting it all the time. But this is a conclusion. He said, so I saw that there's nothing better than a man should rejoice in his work. The things he has to do for the day. For that is his lot. That is his lot. But then he adds this question as well. He says, who can bring him to see what will be after him? And I want to say this. Apart from relationship with Jesus, apart from uh, this relationship that we have in the Son with the Father, we're, we, our, our vision can only go to the end of this life. That's all it can go. We can speculate and dream and whatever, but God's Word tells us, tells us, uh, not in as many details as maybe we want, but tells us that there is life after this, and it's found in Jesus Christ. I want to give you uh, really three revelations of life under the sun uh, from this passage this morning. The first one is this. Uh, This life will leave you empty if you let it. This life will leave you empty if you let it. When I hear... Uh, this over and over again as we've studied the first couple of chapters of um, the book of Ecclesiastes. I, I, I'm, I'm sobered at you know, the meaning of life. Uh, if you seek for it in this life under the sun, it will leave you empty. And it's interesting to me, I fight it in my own heart, but um, have you ever thought of the celebrities that we follow? <laughs> the sports figures, the politicians. Uh, and you, you find high and mighty men and women who, who do great things and look beautiful and, and they're able to accomplish great things and everybody follows them, not just on Twitter, but they follow them. They want to be like them. And then we find out that they hate their life. We find out that they're souped up on this drug or that drug just to get through the day. We realize that, you know, some have struggled with depression and some have even come to the place that they've taken their own life. And you go, why? They had it all. They had it all. And I want to tell you, this life, uh, for you and for me, for really for everybody, this life will leave you empty if you let it. It'll leave you empty. It's a big ripoff. It'll make you walk away and say, why did I work so hard? I want to tell you, if you don't follow after what God has said, both in his creation as well as following him in his son, this life will leave you empty if you let it. The second thing I want to tell you is this. This is the key. The key is rejoicing in your lot, not in another's. Rejoicing in your lot, not in another's. It's very hard, isn't it? You know, we live in a beautiful place, and some of you have beautiful homes, and I, I look at your homes and your barbecues and your cars and sometimes your kids, and some, you know, like I look at this and I go, man, I wish I had their life. I wish I had what they had. I wish, you know, I wish I was young again and I wish I had that person's life and it looks like they took a better course than I took and I wish that I had this and I wish that I had that. The key for us is rejoicing in our lot, the thing that God has for us, the season and space and time 
and the blessings and, and the resources and the, the occupation and the family members. I want to tell you, this goes uh, like, think about the areas of life. Watch the news with this in view. We have people uh, who are poor wishing that they were rich. We have those who are rich that still can't control anything and they wish that they still could. We have people who wish that their party won and others that their party won that wish that whoever they voted for didn't win. But uh, they, they look at this and, and even in greater ways, we, we look at our creation and we say, look, I wish that I was tall when I was short, or I was short when I was tall. I wish that I had a long, flowing, blonde hair uh, like my son. Or we wish, we wish these things. Or I wish that I, I, was, I was born as a female, but I wish that I was a male. Or I wish that... And, and we look at these things, and we, we, we look at them, and we say, if only things were different. I want to tell you, the key is, the key is, Enjoying your lot, not looking to some others. Whatever's going on, your lot, your lot. And lastly, I just want to say this. This life is limited without Jesus. This life is limited without Jesus. You, you look at uh, this passage, this passage, and really these first few chapters, Jesus is not found. The sacrifice for sinners, the, the relationship through Jesus with the Father. The, I want to tell you, I, I want to, you know, just, I want to encourage you. This life, this life is empty without Jesus. And, and I want to tell you, there's great things you can do. There's enjoyment to be had. But as you think of the scope of your life, what it's going to amount to, where you're going to go from here. I want to tell you, Jesus came for you. He came for you. Not, you know, that you could have everything you dream today and like, you know, new cars, new houses, new barbecues, stuff like that, the important stuff of life. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you that, that as Jesus came for you, that both in this life, that you'd have confidence that your sins are forgiven. And as you die, to know this life is not all there is. And, and that it will bring this sense of eternal meaning to your life. Eternal meaning. Even beyond the grave. Um, I, I want to tell you, you know, apart from Jesus our life is limited, but with His, it's eternal. It's eternal. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank You for each one here today. And God, I ask that You would, uh, through Your Spirit, work in hearts. If there are any here today uh, that don't have a relationship with You through Your Son Jesus, I pray that You'd be doing that work even now, drawing them to Yourself showing them uh, the emptiness of life apart from uh, knowing your son Jesus, the one who went to the cross, the one who forgave sins, the one who took the place, took my place. We sang that earlier. God, um, thank you for the blessing of your word. Encourage us today. Help us to find hope um, in the 
the simple things of life, but also in knowing that our eternity is secure in your son, Jesus. God, thank you for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.